Ahoy there, it's me, your old pal, Cowboy Kevin. Thanks for checking out this, The Last Last Ride, the revelation that is the last episode of the documentary series, The Last Ride, that we've been covering just in time for WrestleMania. Hey, I want to give a big shout out to all of our lovely backers over at patreon.com forward slash AE podcast, who help keep the show 100% fan and listener supported. If you want to support the show and get access to some extra audio goodies for your ears and some videos for your eyes, I'm talking over 100 hours of content, why not head over to our Patreon page and become just a $5 backer and get immediate access to over 70 episodes of the SmackDown Crawl, a whole bunch of Bibliotech long in-depth book report episodes, the third two and a half hour part of our big Apple Takedown series is live and it is honestly one of the most ridiculously fun things we have ever recorded. As well as that, you got a whole load of video episodes featuring myself and Adam and Adam and Billy and become the $10 backer to get access to over 45 Q&A episodes from the three of us all this and more available at our Patreon page. But for now, settle in, grab some chew, and get ready for the last ride. Dead Man Walking. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Attitude Era podcast. The last ride. Definitely the last ride. The last five, more like, because it's the fifth installment of the Last Ride side series. Hello, once again, it's me, your old pal, Cowboy Kevin Man, saddling up with the, I was going to say, American badass, but Adam Bibolo ass is the same. Oh, ABA! ABA me. in the house! Adam Bibolo ass. Ah, let, let me make Adam. it clear. Adam Bibolo is a 100% <laughs> restaurant quality ass. That's A-S-S ass. Adam, here we are at the end of the long dusty trail looking at the twilight and the regrettable decisions that come with the dwindling oh. down of the dead man's career. Here we are at the fifth part of the last ride. How's the last ride been for you so far? It's been a lot of fun talking about this. It's been a lot of fun reading the SoundCloud comments about this. <laughs> <laughs> what about how we're a secret WWE sleeper cell that is uh, yeah. here to destroy AEW? Yeah, and the comments that were saying stuff like, love the politics, please, keep." can we get like more politics in the regular podcast? Like, people can't get enough of it, like, so... Absolutely. That's been the best part of this for me, is talking to you and talking to the fans that absolutely adore our opinions. The actual watching of the show... It's been a little bit sad, Kevin. It has, and so many things have happened concurrent to our reviewing of this. And here we are now, all the way into the future. Here we are now in April. And, you know, we're the best pure podcasters in the WWE. Uh-huh. And <laughs> look, a couple of things have happened. Yeah. Obviously, there was an election. A, lo- yep. a lot of the stuff that was simmering under the surface kind of boiled over. A mm-hmm. lot of that was represented by the t-shirt choices of one mean Mark Calloway. Mm-hmm. Mark had, let's just say, a less than stellar send-off in probably one of the most quickly forgotten big moments in wrestling, which is yep. the farewell to the dead men. I'm going to say that was in Survivor Series, was this? I think so. It's so hard to remember these days, Kevin. But yeah, I feel like... 
when we started this, I don't even know if there was any rumblings about Undertaker's retirement. I don't think we started it because it's like, oh, well, he's retired now. Let's do it. Like, we just started it because it was something fun and something extra to do. And yeah, it feels like since beginning this little side series, a million different things have happened in the world of The Undertaker. Most of them negative. Most of them will be things that will ruin your perception of him. And many and of them available exclusively on Cameo as well. <laughs> so. But this is the last, like, proper, proper part of the documentary, this. This is, like, where the doc technically ends. And then they did, like, a Bono episode afterwards where it's like, here's a few stories of Wrestler's Court or whatever shit, you figure it out. And that next episode isn't really going to be substantial. So I reckon, I don't know how you feel, next time we do this, when we wrap this all up, we get all this out of our system, Kevin. We talk about his retirement, we talk about his cameos, we talk about everything next time. Next time which will be the last time mm -hmm. we can definitely dust off everything that has pertained to Mark Calloway. Maybe we can look at him being bid farewell by a ring of men at Survivor Series 2020. Old men in a pandemic. Smiling and nodding as The Undertaker does his stuff. We'll look mm. at the cameos. We'll look at some of his great pranks that he's been doing. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been a weird six months for me mark calloway yeah and it's interesting that you mention it because the when the last right series came out and it came out kind of you know after wrestlemania and it was kind of tying mm -hmm. in it was the, the big release i think in 2020 on the network it was, yeah and you know you tie that into things like him doing extra appearance in the broken skull sessions mm -hmm. and him doing lots more interviews and it's kind of like they told you explicitly several times in this documentary that, yeah, he is done. He is done mm. and he considers himself done. Yeah. And I think just because of wrestling, you're like, yeah, right. And then the months that have come since has been kind of like the whirlwind tour of Mark Calloway trying to convince you that he's definitely not a wrestler anymore. And like, I think it is starting to hit home for people a bit more. It's not been like the... Boom! Undertaker's retired. It's no. like, Undertaker's retirement, and in dribs and drabs, people have been feeling it. A lot of people felt it in Survivor Series. Mm -hmm. Some people felt it when they saw those cameos, you know? It's, it's just like COVID-19. It was like, there was no moment where it's like, boom, pandemic, and everyone was like, okay, this is a pandemic. It was like, oh, okay, it's a pandemic, is it? We'll see. And then slowly over time, people more and more have realized, okay, yeah, maybe this is for real this time. Like... <laughs> We start things off at Extreme Rules, which is where we ended the last point, and I really like them trying to put over a tag match that opened Extreme Rules with Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre mm. and Roman, that this was like a natural conclusion point. Like this, this is the obvious beat on which to end a career. Right, the, the, I I really hate this. It's They treat us like fucking morons here if they really expect us to swallow this tripe and believe that Undertaker would be more than happy to go out on an opening tag match from Extreme Rules 2019 or whatever it was. Like, it's such a random choice for a final match. There's no way he'd have been happy with that. And like, you know what? Far be it for me to be the hyperbole man like Michael Cole and be like, I've never seen The Undertaker look that damn good. He's so great. Oh my <laughs> God. You guys, The Undertaker. <laughs> Even I, at the end of that Extreme Rules match, is like, well, you're not fucking done there now. Off you Clearly. go. To the, off you go, train. Do a proper last match. Not this fucking sad shit. And this last little bit here, th this encapsulates this entire fucking documentary series so beautifully in the space of 30 seconds. Because we see Taker go to gorilla position and he says to Vince, I'm done. I I'm, yeah, I'm, ju I'm just, I'm done, man. That's it. Physically, 
I'm finished now. And, and then he's like, what? What? <laughs> but then literally cut to him, sat down, taking his gloves off, talking to the camera like, well, maybe I've got a couple more in me. Like, it's fucking hell. At least, at least take a day to think about it. He keeps flip-flopping in the same sentence almost. It's so frequent. I counted. It was 11 seconds between the phrase, <laughs> I'm done, and then I got a few left in me. Now, <laughs> Triple H, who has become the kind of the narrator of this piece in the later episodes, comes fuck? in with the swerve. Adam, I didn't realize it. The dragon is still there. The dragon was there all along. And you can't pierce this dragon like a sword. It's so weird that Triple H, for whatever reason, in this documentary has become like the arbiter of, I'll tell you when it's time to retire. Like Triple H is the one that knows all of this about how hard it is to retire and everything. And he's seen this story happen a million times, man. Similarly, they also have Edge be the guy in this where he's like, you got to know when it's time, man. You got to know when it's time. Yeah, you do. Someone play it back to him. Hold up a mirror. (laughs) (laughs) We could do Madison Square Garden two months later. And you know what? I am one of these people who will always buy the myth of msg you know genuinely i remember when i went to new york city on a little little holiday many moons ago it was the weekend that vince mcmahon got blown up and then i came (sighs) home to the chris benoit tragedy that jeez I'm, I'm glad I went to see MSG in the Hammerstein Ballroom. I went on a bit of a tour trying to find all the wrestling hotspots. Mm. And I was like, what? The Manhattan Center is in the same building as the... Ha- no. What? But MSG to me was like always like this mythical fucking place. I buy it because it's been there since the year dot. It's even been there since the Ku Klux Klan were in it back in the 20s. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> we're, get, we're just getting warmed up, folks. Don't you worry. There's a lot more politics coming your way. <laughs> you know what? If you made it to episode five and you're still like... <laughs> I, I salute you because you've got a lot more patience than I do. Honestly. Even. But it's all about The Undertaker going, Madison Square Garden. You know, it's the Mecca Man. And you cut to the outside and it's like, WWE. And also the Trolls World Tour. No! <laughs> now it is the, no, it is. Shut up now, it is. It's the mecca of the WWE. It is. Mm. It's hallowed ground. Also for the Trolls. It is also Trolls <laughs> World Tours. It's mecca. historic. I'll never forget the day that Papa Smurf shook hands with Gargamel in front of a wild MSG <laughs> arena. Like... All the greats have happened there, Kevin. And you had an Undertaker like stood. There's a picture of him beside a picture of Elvis, and he's like dead chuff. He's like, man, that's yeah. unbelievable. So I want like, to <laughs> zoom out further, and it's like I don't know, fucking in the night garden, dancing around. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool, man. You know, that's real cool. Now I swear, this may be me just getting all mixed up. But I could have sworn we've already had an episode of The Last Ride where it's like MSG, man. Yep. Can't believe it. The last time. This is this is the last time for me. Yep, and he's he did. So repetitive. This documentary. Now, last time. This this is the problem now. We're not having real Undertaker fans here now, right? Mm-hmm. The last time Adam was his last match in MSG. Right. Okay. This, this is just the Undertaker bidding them all a very fond farewell. <laughs> <laughs> all right there's a couple of things i need to point out as well uh, such right. as the undertaker's special backpack that has the second amendment on it oh come on not everything you own has to have fucking politics written on it mate is it kind of like a weird thing with him that he won't put a gun in a bag unless it has the second amendment ensconced on it somehow it's not holy otherwise but hey look we're here madison square garden madison square garden <laughs> 
<laughs> Elvis, man. All the way to Ali. Andre. Oh. The giant. From rest in peace all the way to I'm still down with the devil. <laughs> From taking care of business all the way to the hell's gate. Hey, here's a question for you. If the Undertaker's chew happens to be blue chew when he's having a dip and he spits it, does a thin blue line come out? Because <laughs> I've been up at night wondering about that. Oh, mate, I can't wait till he starts doing Dead Man Talking and we get to hear Mark Calloway <laughs> advertising Blue Chew. Oh, Tony Schiavone's got him beat, man. There's no way. Tony Schiavone's the undisputed oh. king of Blue Chew. <laughs> Take it here with some uh, some points that he wants to make, you know? From from way back in the day, you know, he, he was a different type of performer. And he's like, you know, man, when I was young, I didn't care about going out there and getting hurt. And that's, like, true, because, you know, Undertaker, you know, I don't forget Hell in a Cell, he wrestled with a broken foot. Legit, yeah. And when they're using Taker's words here to talk about being young and reckless, they showed a series of clips where he's 43, 40, mm -hmm. like him feuding with Edge. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, when you're in your 40s and you're not afraid about getting hurt, that makes you a different beast. doesn't mean you're young and reckless. It means you're the fucking Undertaker. I mean, that was the period of time where I'd say he was, like, work-rate Undertaker and the kind of Undertaker that could hurt himself. Because, let's be honest, having looked at all of the late 90s stuff and, like, early noughties now, he wasn't really moving a great deal back in those days. He's a kind of a, a peek behind the curtain, so to speak. This is probably the most human, real... Honest Mark Calloway that we're getting while he's still, you know, in the Undertaker gimmick. He's out of breath after the promo or whatever. He's backstage. He's not, you know, to camera all ready for a documentary. Oh, this bit here. Yeah, he does like the talking head where he's like clearly talking to the interviewer. And then you can tell there's a difference where he thinks like, okay, we've done that now. I'm just going to hang out. And he says like, can someone get me some makeup remover? Speaking of makeup. And then he starts talking about his dad and blatantly... This wasn't intended to be in the documentary from Undertaker's point of view. No, this is definitely the only time he's ever spoken about his dad, probably mm. ever. Other than to, like, you know, I don't know, say his name after he drinks Jack Daniels on the Stone Cold podcast or something <laughs> like that. Like, it's nice because I just like to see a little bit, like, that's the point of documentaries like this, isn't it? It's to make him human. And I kind of felt like a failing of this documentary is it started off by making him human and then it kind of, like, he didn't want to show you more. So it's yeah. just like, hey, he's the Undertaker. He's more vulnerable and a little bit more quiet and self-conscious than you might think. And he's not going to talk about why. And, That's it. You know, he's a bit clammed up. Him talking about his dad disapproving about his son wearing eye makeup mm -hmm. or his son throwing away a scholarship at basketball. Yeah. Booger Red was meant to be a basketball star and, mm -hmm. and, you know, and had a big career ahead of him. Throwing it all away for the dream of becoming a wrestler. And, you know, it's not as if his, his place was set for him. He was, you know, he floundered for a few years in Texas. Mm -hmm. That's fucking cr Where's that? Why is that a five-second aside in the locker room? That's the story of Mark Holloway. Honestly, and that, like I say, that was an accident. That clearly wasn't something he meant to put in the documentary. That was just him being like, oh, here's something I've just thought of. That's the thing with this documentary. It's meant to be about this fucking old wrestler trying to find his retirement. And that angle gets boring so fucking quickly. The way more interesting side of this documentary is seeing Undertaker go from someone that's literally never spoken to a documentary crew candidly before to slowly over the episodes yes. becoming more at ease. That's way more interesting than the retirement storyline. But instead you get dribs and drabs like there's mm. these like once or twice per episode it's like 
Here's the thing about The Undertaker that he randomly opened up about out of sequence. So yeah. we're going to talk about it now. And there are a little bit light on content for this episode. That This episode like clocks in at like over an hour. It's mm. probably the longest episode. I don't know if we needed the lengthy recap of him on The Broken Skull Sessions. Because nope. I just recommend you should watch The Broken Skull Sessions. I really like that episode. I think that was some of Austin's best work. Like Austin as a tool as, he, as an interviewer is a blunt instrument at best yeah but when he when he strikes true and i think he did it with the undertaker on that occasion because taker trusts him and he opened up with him more than he probably did with this documentary crow yes agreed i think you can tell when austin's talking to one of his peers that he worked with back in the day he seems a lot more at ease i've not got around to watching him talk to sasha banks on the broken school sessions but i can't help but think of him interviewing <laughs> dean ambrose back in the day like... snoop dog why is he showing up in AEW? <laughs> <laughs> Sasha, do you still order Just Eat, or are you now a hungry house? What? <laughs> now, the, he does say on the Broken School Sessions here that, like, regardless of everything, I'm going to write my own story, and I'm going to write my own ending. This guy's going to end up retiring in front of the WWE Thunderdome with literally no one there. And he's he keeps telling himself, like, I know I've got critics, people that say I'm old, people that say I'm past it, people that say I should have retired already. But the fact is, I'm going to go out on my own terms. And the fact that he went out in the Thunderdome with no live crowd there makes me almost 100% positive that he's definitely coming back and he's definitely retiring again in front of a crowd when it's possible. Oh, un undoubtedly that's going to happen. I mean, I, I wondered what it would be like if a little bird could have whispered in Undertaker's ear right there and be like, there's going to be a pandemic. <laughs> like, would, would plans have changed? Would he have done the Boneyard match? Mm. I don't know, because it feels like that... Mm, it's it's you got to admit it is beyond bad timing all of this it is so unfortunate yeah. i don't think he would have signed up for the boneyard match knowing that it was going to be a cinematic like pre-taped thing i think in his head he definitely wanted to go out in the ring with a match like with someone like aj styles the way that it worked out in my opinion we'll get to it in my opinion it worked out for the best but i don't think he would have agreed to it knowing ahead of time what it turned out to be well, Master Hacker AJ Styles deciphered the code, man. I think Undertaker wants another match, and he decides <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ring Vince. I'm going to ring Undertaker. I, I like mm -hmm. that. That was very savvy because like, yeah. if it's something that he says to Vince, then it's the office is pitching it. Yep. Performer to performer, that's definitely the way to do it. I think at this point in his his career, mm -hmm. and there's something I love. It's like you can never take it away. The difference between someone. Honestly, for me, like like a Goldberg, you know, mm. no no disrespect to Goldberg, but he's a performer where you would have to convince me and talk at me at great lengths to convince me that there's a love, a real love. Oh, yeah, like for a, sure. A nerdy love of wrestling. Yeah. Not of performing, not of being a star, not of the persona. And when Taker talks to the camera and he's like, AJ Styles, man, whew, I want to work with him so bad. Like, mm -hmm. he's such a little fucking nerd and like in the best yeah. way he's so excited about mm -hmm. what it would be like if the undertaker and aj styles i'm like i love that that this fucking grizzled vet so quiet and secretive inside there there's a fucking wrestling fan and that is yes. the core of the undertaker and that is his downfall in many respects as well because mm. that fan is telling him go wrestle aj styles now yeah they talk here about how Undertaker has always worked best with guys that are smaller and faster. Guys, and it shows you like a sequence, like a montage oh, of Undertaker. Oh, this was a 
burial here, man. Honestly, it's like, here's Undertaker working with loads of little guys, like Shawn Michaels, Rey Mysterio, CM Punk, okay, Kurt Angle. All now, right, come now. on. He's not small. Well, the thing, quite frankly, is Kurt Angle's a lot shorter than you realize. Mm. And, uh, since we removed his neck when he came back oh. recently... He's lost a good few inches, so he's now in the category, quite frankly, of a, of a oh. shorter performer. Now, if you want to someone a little bit taller and bald, you go for the Empire. Fuck, Kevin, Kevin, please. Get him in there. I'm begging uh, you to. Olympic dude. gold medalist Adam Pierce. Please stop. If they gave out Olympic gold medals for cool headedness prevailing, Adam, they would they would give. Why? <laughs> would give Adam Why? Pierce the gold. I feel like we actually need an intervention at this point. Like it's getting out of control. This Adam Pierce thing. Yeah, was, you're literally the only person. If there's something that's out of control, the conscience of the Thunderdome, Adam Pierce. He's uh. the man for the job, Adam. He's cooler heads will prevail. <laughs> we get my favorite Triple H quote of 2020 in oh. this documentary. AJ Styles. Well, that would be um. A very intriguing dragon to chase. Spoken like a guy, like, seriously, spoken like someone who should not be talking about addiction in that sense. Like, honestly. honestly, I I feel like out of everyone from the Attitude Era, Triple H is probably one of the least personally versed with addiction. I know a lot of his friends have been through addiction. He's seen it. But he himself... It's not his place. He no. doesn't know what it is. No. And I hate when, like, oh, the one that always gets me when wrestlers are, like, fucking slapping their wrist going, oh, wrestling's like a drug, like mm. heroin. It's like, it's I no. fucking... All right, you know what? If you've seen it and you've been through it, whatever, Triple H is the fucking Johnny come teetotal, and I just mm-hmm. don't think the dragon would specifically means heroin. Yes. Like it's not it's not like oh he likes a few drinks. No, it's yeah. heroin, man. You're talk- it's yeah. Fucking hell, Triple you're, H. You're talking about straight up muck there, Triple H. You've no idea what you're on about. Like. So what uh, does Triple H like he's watching the wire and he hears him shouting out different things like, Ooh, Fraggle Rock, that's an intriguing dragon to chase. An intriguing dragon intriguing. as well. <laughs> Because I think, right, let's take away all like the sort of heroin comparisons and everything. Let's just assume from Triple H's point of view, a guy that loves skulls, crowns and swords, he's literally <laughs> thinking of a dragon right now. Let's just assume that's the case. Oh, no. Ah. Intriguing. You remember the amount of times where Geralt of Rivia would be like, now that's an intriguing monster for me to go after. Like, intriguing, Triple H. How do you like the taste of that intriguing silver? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. When you're Triple H, you have as many swords as he does. I guess like, any dragon attack wouldn't Aww. help but be intriguing. Like, you know? <laughs> oh, it's, it's cool that he's into swords, you know, like um, like a little boy would be. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, what? it's cool. It's cool. It's awesome. You know, some of us are late bloomers. Like, Lord of the Rings was out when we were children. We got it out of our system. You know, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's cool, though. It is, you know. <laughs> I, if I could have when I was a child, I would have bought many swords, you know. And I'd be annoyed, too, if someone took my sword gift and gave it to Drew McIntyre for an entrance. Oh, prompt. bless. Undertaker helping out in NXT, which seemed like a rib that they got him to do a class with the big men, and they put mm. him in the smallest room I in know. fucking WWE history. I've had fucking work training in bigger conference rooms than this. <laughs> like, it's him and 
all of the big men from the performance center squished oh, into one little room. It's literally Keith Lee. Like yeah. fucking almost. You've got Dominic Dijakovic. <laughs> these big fuckers. And it's like when in Arrested Development when Joe's got, you know, the uh he's got the office and he wants to put the fucking snooker table in it. <laughs> Take the window. Like. Yeah, it's it's a gaming room, this really. You know, it, there's just not enough space for all these lads. He does seem to have that kind of connection with them, but I genuinely think people like The Undertaker, they're somewhat limited in what they can pass on because A, what he went through in his career and his character is so unique that I think a lot of the big guys, if they tried to do his his style or whatever, they'd get mm. in trouble for it. And B, he is so revered and all these guys are people who grew up watching him as fans who know that he doesn't talk. So everyone's like, ha, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like really quiet. I imagine people like Shawn Michaels and stuff who are like, you know, he's been talking forever. He, That's it. I think there's more of a dialogue there. Undertaker, it's like, that's cool, man. And they're all like, yeah, it is, isn't it? I yeah. just don't know what, as a teacher, I don't know how, how good that is. I don't know. Maybe it's something that he can become better at over time because I, I personally do feel like he's got a lot to offer the big man. Even though he had a very specific, very unique set of circumstances around his career, I feel like with the big guys, they're kind of the people that need that little extra bit of help of like, mm. oh no, you have to work in a different way. I know we're teaching lessons to everyone here, but you particularly need to know this extra stuff as well because you have a different size, you have a different like physique and a different character. It just, it depends on what he's telling them because obviously there's been a lot of times where we see like Undertaker talking about his early career and he's like, oh yeah, well I just, I was told to make sure I didn't do too much and to slow down a little bit. And I don't think that's something you should be teaching people in the modern era is to like do less. It always comes across as like quite condescending. I, I'll never forget. It was like 2008 or nine, like one of those real kind of somewhat dark periods for for more than one reason in wrestling mm. and austin gave this speech backstage and it was like how come none of y'all are getting over i just took the ball and i ran with it like they wanted oh. it to be like you tell them how you got over steve because you worked in the system and it's like well mm -hmm. what worked for steve austin in 90 fucking seven is not That's gonna work it. for ye now in 2007 it's a different what, why aren't you millennials buying your own houses yet i remember back in my day <laughs> i i bought a house in my first job so what's going on <laughs> Yeah, back when you could fucking like buy a bag of grain and get a free house or whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> yeah, you got a house really cheap and the other side of it is your oldest shit, so swings and roundabouts, I guess. <laughs> Undertaker decides after getting some of the inspiration from the youngsters that maybe he's got a few more left in him. And we kind of just, we're into training mode now. It's like, yep, I think I'm going to go with AJ. I'm going to train. 22 and 18, we got a grunt of all grunts, let me fucking tell you. Is this the one I'm thinking of, Kevin? Please, set it up for me, Adam. Is, if this is the one that I've... I've got a grunt written down here, but it has a different time code. That's what I'm thinking. How like, far so ahead is your time code? 2309, so that's nearly a full minute later. This is a long one. When he's okay, th th this isn't... The you do your grunt first. Go for oh, it. Oh, we've got... Who would have thought in a documentary about The Undertaker in his fucking mid-50s <laughs> going to do intense training that we've got more than one grunt? Here's my one. <laughs> Oh, that's a spicy meatball. <laughs> and then my one is one that we've been alluding to since we started the whole damn series, Kevin. He, he's got a big man in the corner. He very It's not like he runs into the corner. He sort of like lightly jogs into the corner and just touches chest with the big guy and goes, <laughs> Little cuckoo clock undertaker. It's so sweet. 
So Undertaker is absolutely convinced that he can go again. You know, he's he's doing he's doing the training. He's in there hundred percent. Well, he says physically, hundred percent. I'm ready. I could do another match tomorrow. I'm physically there. Mentally, I don't know, man. I was really happy with that tag match at Extreme Rules. Like, fuck off, Woody. You can't imagine what it's like as well, but if he's got producers, they're going to be saying, like, you know, Adam and I are avid married at first sight Australia viewers, and <laughs> I can tell when someone's been coached right before the camera's been put on them yeah. and they fill their head full of loads of shit. I bet they keep playing the, these matches in the background while he's trained to fuck with his head. Earlier in the documentary, we got bits where Undertaker was like, hey, I like helping out the younger guys. And yeah. here in the documentary, it's like, I also like helping out the older guys. And he gives the example... WrestleMania 18, mm. him and Ric Flair. And that is a match which is honestly one of my all-time favorite matches. The kind of real life and the kayfabe just touched very, very briefly. Mm. And Ric Flair having his first proper big, big match at a mm. WrestleMania yeah. after, you know, WCW folded. And as Undertaker said, you know, he had to help him. He had to say, come on, man. And I quote, <laughs> you're the nature boy, you know. Ooh. Oh no, I, I I had ooh written down. I think he didn't even get the W on that word. Ooh. And then we have what I think is one of the lamest fucking ribs in the history of lame ribs. Oh, for fuck's sake. This is so shit. And it clearly doesn't <laughs> land either. <laughs> oh, we talking about They fucking punks that jabroni AJ Styles. So I decided I'm going to do the match, but I said, hey Vince, I'm cool with working with AJ, but I want you to know that I want you to phone him and tell him that I'm going to work WrestleMania with somebody else. And this this prank maybe would have worked if they'd have phoned AJ and been like, oh yeah, Undertaker wants to work Drew McIntyre or something like that. But they phone AJ and they say, Undertaker wants to work with someone else, some kid from, from Tennessee. And AJ's like, well, that's, obviously that's not true, because otherwise you'd tell me who it is. And also <laughs> as well, if the gag is meant to be that AJ Styles is the young kid from Tennessee, I cannot stress this enough that he is a man in his 40s. <laughs> I, I don't know what he, like, There's this thing in WWE, and it happened as well with fucking TJ Perkins. It happens all the time, where it's like, look at this guy. He does flips. I bet he's 20. No. Yeah. No, no, no. Like, it's great that we have people in their 40s who can still go and do flips and all that. It don't make you a young man like no. it really doesn't so what's the perfect thing to do to get a little bit warmed up for a feud when we head over to the thousand degree heat of Riyadh in Saudi oh. Arabia it's good to line your pockets right before you get back into Wrestlemania season baby oh Jesus Christ this is the last big trip that they did before the pandemic hit and uh, mm -hmm. it is kind of there was a sense that even though I knew that the Boneyard match went a lot better than we thought it would there is this kind of palpable sense of like, oh, geez, these lads don't know what they're kind of getting into. You know, that there's yeah. storm clouds ahead for yeah, lack of a better turn. Undertaker, though, he don't sweat it. He's back in training. And as he said, mentally, he may not be there. Physically, though, he's 100%. He literally lies down and immediately starts to bleed. That was... Very concerning. Yeah, he's like doing a plank or whatever. He's like face down and then he just looks up and there's fucking blood running down his face. Like he just bursts. It's a living. Like, oh, what the no. fuck? Has he got too much blood in him? What's going on? Also, we should say that little bit in Saudi Arabia as well. They did breeze over it this time. They literally, they couldn't wait to get it out of the way with. <laughs> oh! <laughs> there it goes. But we, we did get to see Undertaker pin AJ Styles in his hat and coat. Yes! And like... 
The story of the night was is that AJ had just been through a long gauntlet match and he'd fought like several other men and so he was really knackered. They don't show you that in the documentary. So if you don't know, you're like, oh, they're building to WrestleMania and how do we build that? By Undertaker coming out, choke slamming him with his hat on and winning immediately. It's a bit of a hardcore flex for all these youngsters who are all, you know, uh, complaining how hot it is over here in Saudi Arabia, mm. yada, yada. And let me show you, this is the Undertaker veteran who comes out not only wearing his ring gear in the degrees is he's got a hat and coat on as well mm-hmm. showing you how it's done it's and proper like action figure undertaker like well that's what i wanted to say i i thought this was possibly the only time undertaker has ever pinned an opponent while wearing a hat now if i'm wrong on that i really mm. do want to know because yeah. i've got a lot of hatless wins in my head of the undertaker obviously whoa 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 well, let's just put a caveat out there i don't want to hear no examples of a big evil beanie being worn we're talking yeah, proper no, no. hats a big hat, cowboy hat and, and a bandana is not a hat nah, that's okay? not on. That's absolutely not. I'm talking about the hat. Because I thought, Adam, you mentioned it's an action figure. For those of us who grew up with action figures that unfortunately had the entrance attire of, of of their favorite wrestler, and then you would maybe pull off the outer coat... And then, oh no, shock horror, the sleeves are molded onto the arms. <laughs> yes, so many toys yeah. like that. We've all been there. We've all been there. Why's your Kurt Angle got hoodie arms, Kevin? I don't know. All right? I've literally got an Undertaker toy here that has that exact problem. <laughs> yeah, for, for most of my childhood, Raven wrestled in a long-sleeved t-shirt <laughs> with leather arms on it because I thought, well, you got to take off that jacket when he gets to the ring. So I thought for the kids out there who saw that Undertaker, and said that's my that's my dead man i thought it was worth doing it in saudi yeah. arabia and <laughs> it is and just so you know on the record it is the most worthwhile thing they've done in saudi arabia that <laughs> did you catch back in the gym here where he's getting ready he's just wiped away his nosebleed did you get the serious bummer of a line here very self-aware but also very depressing what he says about having to train he says, like, I've got nowhere to hide or something like that, wasn't it? He says, these days I have to train ten times as hard as I've ever done in order to get a quarter of the results. And he's like, that's that's miserable, but he's like, that's Mother Nature, man. That's what you get for wrestling as long as I do. Like, I watched a shoot interview with Bruno Sammartino years mm. and years and years back. And Bruno's one of those lads where even in his fucking 70s, like, they had to reinforce that man's coffin. He was so fucking hench, like, in his old age. And he talked, like, when you're in your 50s, you have to immediately drop any notion that you're able to like add on mass. It's like maintenance. That's all yeah. you can do. Mm-hmm. And I've watched I've watched Rocky Balboa as well there. And the kind of when they talk to the trainer and the trainer's like, no, 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 no. It's just it's literally just cardio. That's all we can do here. And like he mm-hmm. says that with this kind of like, what the fuck are you expecting? He's fifty five yeah, nearly. Legit. You know? And I get I get I get that it's bleak, but I'm glad that they at least understand what they're fucking dealing with here because i think that'll be the story at some point it will catch up with triple h i feel the last few performances of him where the arms couldn't even fucking go down yeah it's gonna catch up with you at some point you know that's it he's not that far behind the undertaker in terms of age he's getting there too oh boy so it's time now that the match has been uh penned in it's time to get ourselves a little bit of storyline and guess what AJ Styles thinks that Michelle McCool, who's your wife, is a gold digger, man. Whoa! And I love Michelle McCool, the fucking commitment to the bit where she's like, he he crossed the line. I didn't think that he should have said that about me and and Mark. I thought it was, you know, 
I know he's the heel, I'm meant to hate him, but, you know, he shouldn't have said those things about Michelle McHugh. <laughs> no, I, I genuinely, I didn't think that was her, like, playing into her or anything. I thought she genuinely did mean that. I, really? I got the fe- yeah, no, I got the feeling that, like... T- Taker's protected her so much from the business. That's it. <laughs> you know, if if you're married to The Undertaker, who's Mr. Mystique, I don't think she thinks it's real, like, but I do think that she genuinely believed that AJ went a bit too far there. Because... I mean, I don't know how I feel about him bringing Michelle into it and everything. I get that it's extra spice in what is already quite a spicy build. But I did like all the stuff that he was saying, where he was literally just coming out of the microphone and saying like, Hey man, I remember when Roman Reigns beat you three years ago. You took your coat and your hat off, you laid him in the ring, and everyone thought, Wow, what an incredible moment. And you ruined that. You ruined that by coming back and you're an old man. You haven't got it anymore. You aren't The Undertaker anymore. You're just Mark Calloway. Like, I genuinely did really love all that because that was like, what's left to do with The Undertaker's character exactly, at this yeah. point? No, you're That's right. like the, the last boundary to cross is to go that far. And I think a very easy thing for us fans to forget, I think, you know, you talking about there reminded me, I think AJ doing that promo may have been one of if not the last draws with an audience in attendance i think you're right yeah because mm-hmm. it went from that to a very disturbing episode of the eric andre show very quickly this storyline <laughs> <laughs> with undertakers slowly walking in you're right it, that's the way to go and it, it definitely caught my attention and it caught my mm-hmm. intrigue i think it would have probably landed a bit more if we had a few more weeks of fans interacting yeah definitely. and very easy in the thunderdome era and the era where we had some performance center people in attendance and we started playing some sounds of crowd those first few weeks and it was silence it was rough. 316 day. 316 oh, day. Oh, God, yeah. I forgot about that. What? No. Why did you make me do that? What? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, guess what? We're not celebrating 316 day this year. You figure uh-uh. out why? Yes. I wonder what oh. that's all about. So, yeah, I liked, I liked, you're right, AJ here. I think he picked, whoever was in creative decided this is the route to go. Even though we always make fun of, you know, this is Alan Jones talking to Mark Calloway, yeah. talking to Paul Levesque. In this case, because it's The Undertaker, it did work. That's it. Even if I can't help but laugh and titter when I've got AJ Styles there going, your wife wants to scoop up your dead body and bring you out and cash another paycheck. And Carl Anderson's like, "Mm -hmm," nodding politely. (laughs) (laughs) I'm obsessed with the background guy politely nodding. Whether yeah. it be Xbox going, yeah, life does suck and then you die. Or like yeah. Ric Flair be like, yeah, you're the man, Triple H. I love it, always. Honestly, that, that's the role. If I was going to have any role in wrestling, that's <laughs> all I want to be. There's been a couple of times where me and you have like eight years ago filmed like little silly promo bits for like a YouTube appearance or whatever. And honestly, me just standing next to you and nodding with a grin, like slapping you on the shoulder, like, yeah, yeah. I could do that all day. I would be fucking brilliant at that in wrestling. I think Brian Zane once got us to do a thing. I remember. Because we that record- might have been it. Yeah, we recorded it when we did our last episode of season one. And I just, mm. that's, there's nothing like standing around like a Survivor Series team going, <laughs> <laughs> and you're entirely confident that if you forget what to say, you just slap the chest of the person next to you, go, tell them. Yeah. And then they, they go, well. <laughs> Now, so obviously this series has been mostly me and you burying a lot of this shit. So I do really want to, if I see something that I enjoy, I really want to make sure that I highlight it to prove that we're not just being negative all the time. I appreciate that. And AJ, yeah, this promo, this build, I really enjoyed it. And this line that he kind of wrapped it up with by saying, Undertaker, your wife is going to run you into the ground and I'm going to help her. 
Oh, I fucking love that. Oh, man, I was saying it's going to be like a heel turn for Michelle McCool. She was going to go back to uh, her evil lay cool persona or perhaps the villainous Miss McCool, the evil teacher persona, you know? <laughs> it's something that we've talked about a few times in the last year, I want to say, but it really is one of the most depressing and shitty things that happens all the time in wrestling where, like, the, the lady that's paired up with the nice guy turns on him and it's really horrible and horrid and, like, I never love you anyway and then she makes out with the heel in front of him or whatever <laughs> i fucking hate it so much someone was definitely deeply affected by trish betraying chris jericho the the greatest love story ever told back in 04 i'm i'm just saying tory betraying kane really imprinted on me as a young man kevin i've never gotten over it so undertaker realizes he can't just be undertaker and he can't just be the american badass he has oh. to be the unholy trinity now, there was so much speculation about the Unholy Trinity when he did that promo. I Correct me if I'm wrong here, but didn't you call this yes. one? Because there was a lot of speculation. And I seem to remember you actually saying, oh, it's going to be Undertaker, American Badass, and yes. Mark Calloway. That's the deal. Like. Uh, that's, that's what I said. I said that way, way back last year on our How To Wrestling pay-per-view reviews. I review all the pay-per-views from WWE and AEW with Joe, and I have done so since mm -hmm. 2015. A lot of people were like, oh, Kane's going to show up. Or the great one a I saw. A hologram of Paul Bearer, maybe. Yeah, Coachella Paul Bearer was going to oh. show up and be like, Oh, yes! Dr. Dre's <laughs> in the house! <laughs> this fucking horrible-looking PS3 fucking Paul oh. Bearer. All right, if you are going to do... A, if you are going to do a disrespectful Coachella Paul Bearer, please, I insist that you do Paul Bearer from SmackDown 1 coming out going... <laughs> you know the one the one that looks like a cheap cheap in mario kart 64 <laughs> so right they have a bit of a, a retcon here they kind of try and imply that undertaker's spooky character had no place in the attitude era and it's like what are we even doing man and then we go and we become the american badass now right i know you and billy had a lot of negative things to say way back in season mm. one and again, when we did the SmackDown crawl. Mm -hmm. But to say that the evil phenom Ministry of Darkness Undertaker wasn't over and wasn't a part of the Attitude Era and didn't fit in, fuck off. No, wrong. I mean... It did! In terms of length of time, it was that was a bigger part of the Attitude Era than American Badass. American Badass was there for like the last 12 months or yes. so. Like We're talking about the character here, the scary evil character mm -hmm. that gave us Kane, that gave mm -hmm. us the ministry, the corporate ministry, the acolytes. Huge part of the Attitude Era. Midian? Are you kidding yeah. me? <laughs> And like this is the thing which I don't like, where it's like you can't you can't just go back and say like oh that something was was cringy or whatever or doesn't fit mm. what what WWE would have done with the Undertaker now or something that's very Vince Russo, but Undertaker sitting on the top of a ramp in a big Undertaker symbol chair, mm. setting people on fire, drinking blood, sacrificing <laughs> people. That is what got me into wrestling as a child. That's what made me go, oh, this isn't what I think it is. Yeah. You know? It is it is so the Attitude Era because you yeah. couldn't do that any other time. Imagine no. drinking blood and sacrificing virgins. <laughs> oh, everyone, welcome to Monday Night Raw. Uh-oh. miss anyone? I don't think so. There's another virgin who's going to be sacrificed. <laughs> To the Ministry of Darkness. I hope that Bret Hart puts some manners on the Ministry tonight, King. 
<laughs> fucking hell, man. It's it's not about what was cringy or whatever, because like yeah, me and Billy had plenty of issues with Ministry of Darkness Undertaker, and wouldn't you know it, we had plenty of issues with American Badass Undertaker as well. It wasn't like it suddenly <laughs> fixed everything. Who the thunk it like? It, it's not about what they could and couldn't get away with culturally at the time, because they could have found a way to make Dead Man Undertaker work all the way through the Attitude Era. The fact was is that Mark Calloway wasn't into it anymore. It was clearly like he had had enough of it, and that's why in '99 he was doing fucking terrible, like barely saying anything, barely moving on telly. Like, Do you know what he, it is? He needed the change more than we did. Like. He did. He was having a fucking divorce. Like yep. uh, to, to to take us back to SmackDown Crawl, the early days. But to, to claim that it was anything other than the personal issues mm-hmm. co- coinciding with the creative rush that they were in, because the mm-hmm. guy who'd written all the stuff, Vince Russo, was gone. Like, that's just yeah. how it was, you know? I think, though, this bit does almost 100% confirm that if they didn't do the Boneyard match, I think they would have went full-on American badass entrance. Yes. I think the big motorbike, they would have... They wouldn't have leaned into the other aspects of his character. I think the Holy Trinity thing came when they realized it was going to be something else. Yeah, well, because that's, that's it. Like, him doing his promos in retaliation with AJ, they're all pre-tapes and it's him sat backstage. But it is him sat backstage with a beanie on, like, being Mark Calloway or being American Badass, not being Undertaker anymore. Like, so they were definitely building up to him not being the phenom at WrestleMania. Otherwise, AJ wouldn't have been cutting these promos calling him by his real name and shit. I love, love, love how they're like, when he became the American badass, man, the curtains came back and it was just like a whole new... Like he, he was so confident. It's like, you have to find the one promo where he's like slightly confident saying thing mm. as, as the American badass, I'm still down with the devil. I'll tell you what, mm. he's got a great voice, The Undertaker, though. That, that fucking... That, that was one of the things that the american badass afforded us was that you got to hear his actual voice which was yes is probably as cool if not cooler than the fake voice he puts on for the undertaker agreed yeah so it's mark calloway talking to alan jones here we've got all these high stakes rolling in wrestlemania is going to be in raymond james stadium big pirate ship big plans ha ha covid strikes do 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 I remember when this documentary aired for the first time, I was positive they were going to try and do this without mentioning COVID at all. (laughs) So then we decided that we were going to do a very unique WrestleMania that year. (laughs) Yeah, and I love how they were trying to find, like, kind of clips or whatever it was, and, like, the bit they thought would be non-political and controversial, now disgraced governor, depending on when you're listening to this, possibly former governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, telling Mm. us about covid and all that like yeah nice bit of aged content there for us it's funny that in this documentary which was put together after the covid pandemic and we're interviewing Mm. triple h after the covid pandemic has well and truly hit its stride he was like it was kind of pretty much confirmed we were probably not going to be able to do the raymond james stadium it's like (laughs) you you were definitely not like absolutely not that's how he should have been talking about this year's wrestlemania like well maybe we'll we'll see i don't know i have to applaud the quick thinking of specifically the boneyard match when we went Mm. from having a wrestlemania that was probably on paper going to be one of the longest 
arduous WrestleManias to watch mm-hmm. with a lot of people booked on the card who didn't have a lot of time to actually kind of get the storylines over. Yeah. I think the two-night spectacular of WrestleMania 36 was so much better than it had any right to be. And I think all mm-hmm. involved should be applauded because it was a fucking feast to do it. It was a very quick pivot and you have to... You have to say congrats to WWE for being the first people to put on a true, like something that just truly seems underwhelming at the start. It does. It's like WrestleMania mm-hmm. in front of no one. That sucks. Yeah. And to an extent, it, it is inevitable. It would have sucked. But they owned it and they went in there fucking all guns blazing as much as they possibly could. And I think the nights they got away with it most, it was the first night because that Boneyard match really opened up people's possibilities as to what we could get at a WrestleMania in a pandemic. Legit. Like, I, I actually have to really praise WWE because we all knew, because it wasn't like it was the first show without a crowd. We'd been having Raws and Smackdowns with no crowd, so we already knew that it was weird and not ideal and not great. But there was still something about, I remember being sat up that Saturday night for night one of WrestleMania and Stephanie McMahon welcoming us and me actually genuinely feeling like, Actually, yeah, I need this right now. Yeah. I could do with everything's kind of scary and really fucked at the minute, and I could do with something different. And they're not pretending it's going to be the same as it ever was. They're making out that like, oh, it's weird, and we're kind of we're scrambling, folks, but we're going to put on a show for you. And I remember really feeling like I could do with that. Thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I felt that, and I felt that even more specifically during King Corbin versus Elias, where I'm like, I could do with <laughs> something different, and you know, I can. <laughs> But I think what what was apparent from our watching of it, I do remember there was that kind of excitement factor where it's like, look, we don't know what's going to happen. I think, you know, as being anxious sorts, we kind of always were erring on the side of this is probably going to last a lot longer than any of us want to admit. But no Boneyard match, no stadium stampedes, no... Sting and Darby Allen versus yeah. Team Taz. No, whatever you thought of it, the fucking delightful clusterfuck to watch live that was the Money in the Bank match at Stamford mm-hmm. Towers. You know, this set a precedent. And the fact that we get to see here that it's not as if there were big plans. It's fucking Triple H and a digger and a couple of hands going, I don't think we're going to be able to do this, but fuck it, yeah. let's give it a whirl anyway. Like, that's fucking amazing. And I like that we got to see a little bit of that. We talked about it in the season four, you know, when Vince is going around with Cornette in the limo to, to shoot the little bits yeah. around town. That mom and pop shop. We never get that feeling with WWE. We got it here. And they made, you know, they, where they show you where they film this, it, it is literally just a fucking farm. Like, that is all it. it is. They did such a good job of actually transforming it into the Boneyard space. In the space of like 24 hours, they were just like, right, well, this is it. We've got no other choice. This is what we're doing now. Let's just fucking get on with it. And they did. And it's genuinely really impressive what they managed to do. I think the heroes, unsung definitely in WWE and in all of all of wrestling, in all, all the companies, the unsung heroes of all of this. And they continue to always be the unsung heroes, pandemic mm-hmm. or not. It's the, the crew, the stagehands, the people who set yep. up this stuff, the people who devise it. They rarely if ever get a look in or a mention there's no yeah. hall of fame for the people who managed to rig this stuff and make it look good and i th- there was know, meant to be the fucking warrior award that's what we all thought that was going to be about uh, like well you know it's uh, the closest you get is performers who are 
considerate enough and introspective enough, like Steve Austin or Kevin Owens, who will take... Yeah. Like, I remember when I saw Steve Austin go into the Hall of Fame, he's like, I want to specifically mention this guy who did the videos. Mm-hmm. He's like, without them videos, there would have been no Stone Cold, no yeah. Attitude Era, and he's 100% right. That's a classy thing to do. Like, And can you imagine how it would have been if Undertaker had this fucking Boneyard match in a poorly lit field? Like, remember some of the mm-hmm. bad cinematics they've done before? I think of the Wyatt Family versus The New Day on the compound, where it's like... Oh god! But they're yeah. fucking wrestling in the alpha build of Minecraft. It's yep. This flat space with nothing or on it. The the graveyard match from WCW. Like this could have oh, so easily been that. Like geez. very similar circumstance. So yeah, this this is a match now which takes place on an extra fucking backdrop for the Undertaker. They're about to start filming this. He gets a phone call from his niece saying your, your brother's had a heart attack, and he's like, "Oh, what what hospital did they take him to?" And they're like, "No, he's dead." And he, mm-hmm. he's died age 64. Mm-hmm. Fucking hell. And Undertaker, I'm glad he said it because I've always wondered about this. Like, if the morbidity of you being a character who's like, death, 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 you're in yep. a fucking graveyard, bones, coffins, caskets, urns, all that shit, and they're they're knee-deep in it here. And he's like, yeah, it is actually kind of tough to have to do yeah. this now and think about it. Oh, I can't imagine. I can't even begin to comprehend how shit that must have felt. Like, the day before having to do this big match, he just finds out that his brother has passed away. Like you say, he's surrounded by all this horrible symbolism that's going to do nothing but remind him of it. He had to phone the rest of his brothers and phone his mum and tell her as well. Like, I can't imagine the mental and emotional toll that must have taken on him. It's so fucking sad. I think Michelle mentions, I can't remember if it's before or after this, but she has her nephew and he's seriously like he's a young kid he's like 19 or 20 or whatever dies in a car accident that same week that same week and it's crazy to think you know you're in a pandemic and all that and you think you hear bad news and your mind jumps someplace and it's like no there's still all these other you know horrible accidents that can happen Mm -hmm. and yeah when it rains it pours it feels like things were working against mark calloway in more than Mm -hmm. one sense here you couldn't help but feel if you were him going into this match that it's destined to be not the performance that you wanted to be. That's it. His head must have been all over the place. And I'm sure that, like, as a human being, I'm sure the last thing he was really that concerned about was the quality of his match when he's just lost a family member like this. But you've got to be thinking that, like, this is fucking cursed. This is like, what's the point in me doing this stupid wrestling match tomorrow when all this other shit's going on? Chances are this thing's going to be rubbish as well. Like, I would imagine he's thinking, chances are this definitely won't be my last match. Yeah, because probably. I would think going into it, and I remember thinking going into it like it won't be his last match for definite because I don't think they'll be able to put on a match befitting of the Undertaker character to to sign off mm. and and to do it at a WrestleMania as well, with just all these conditions working against them. without a crowd. Yeah, and here we go. We're at WrestleMania 36, night one, the Saturday that is. It's the Boneyard match as AJ Styles takes on The Undertaker in an undisclosed location 40 minutes outside of Orlando, Florida. It's time for the most intriguing dragon of all. I'm, of course, talking about the caption contest. And sometimes you might think that uh, you don't want to do another caption contest, but then uh, you see the picture du jour, and that's a a very intriguing (laughs) caption to uh, provide. Adam, what are we uh, what are we dealing with here today? We're of course talking boneyard, Matt. So, what is this image du jour? It's a very obvious one, Kevin. I think this was the clear choice. As soon as I asked for us to have a caption contest picture, you suggested this right away, and it just made perfect sense. It's AJ Styles having a big old laugh 
and who should be behind him but the revived immortal dead man, the Undertaker. And he's about to get pranked so oh, fucking for hard. Sake. <laughs> oh. He doesn't even know he's on webcam. Oh, and he's been saying all this stuff. Oh my no. goodness. Hey, this caption contest is brought to you by our buddies over at the NXT Back to the Future podcast. The Wednesday Night Wars winners? No. Wednesday Night Wars losers. Hey, Adam, come on. No, 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 no. It's, it's NXT. They've been bashed up a bit, and I think going back to the back to the start of things, back to 2012, mm -hmm. that's the way to do things. They've uh, they've had a rough old year, 2020 and 2021 NXT, I think. What are you talking about? They did so good on Wednesday nights that they've decided to do a victory lap now and do Tuesdays instead, just to prove that they can win any night of the week, Kevin. They're kicking ass at NXT. You know, they came, uh, came kind of nipping at her heels there, but... Uh... You know, I think I think moving to Tuesday nights is going to be pretty badass. You know, uh, it'll be a very uh, intriguing audience to chase. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's the fucking isn't that the Impact audience they're going after now? The Tuesday night crap. They're coming after your house, Don Callis. You better be careful. <laughs> hey, NXT Back to the Future is an absolute delight. They've sponsored How to Wrestling as well when we did our Dusty Rhodes episode. A fishing sponsorship, if there ever was one. But man, we're coming up on 10 years of NXT. And I don't know about you, Adam. I was watching NXT all the way back in the days of it being that hokey game show which Oof. made Daniel Bryan drink lots and lots of soda and made us watch Michael Tarver wrestle. But I don't know if you remember those early full sale days, those heady 2012 days with Damien Sandow, Big E, Cassius yeah. Ono, William Regal and the gang all there. I was going to say Big E was the one person that springs to mind there. We're talking like proper NXT now, aren't we? No more game show bollocks. It's a real developmental TV show now. You better fucking believe it. It's all the stars oh! of yesteryear. Oh, oh yeah, man. Oh, Dallas. Now there's a flashback. Oh, my God. And it's amazing, it's one of these great podcasts that is looking back on a time where you just don't realise like, how much time has bloody well passed since mm. you know, we had it. And the names that came through NXT, the names that came back to NXT even, it's an absolutely wild ride. You want to see the likes of Chris Jericho showing up in NXT to battle a very, very primordial what? Bray Wyatt? What? Yeah, Jericho nearly joined the Wyatt family. <laughs> or seeing the retirement of William Regal, the debut of a young Sami Zayn. Like, these are all the big beats that you're going to hit along the way. And this is when NXT was something we didn't even refer to on the main show. It wasn't yeah. the third brand then. I would say if you're after an entertaining podcast with two guys who love wrestling and have absolutely dialed in on a very intriguing part of wrestling history the ramifications of which are definitely felt to this day yeah baby for me it's a trip back to greener pastures for nxt oh. but for those of you who've not checked it out yes nxt back to the future one of the few things that probably won't be edited off the network now that peacock <laughs> have, their, have their claws in it's a good time of course with adam and dave available spotify stitcher apple Podcasts, and check them out nxt b double tf over on the social media adam you've got some captions from the twitter i've got some from the Facebook. Why don't you hit me with some of that mean Mark Calloway dragon chasing action? Let's give it a go here, Kevin. We've got one here from Patman Forever 51 who says, There, AJ, I just circumnavigated the planet. It's round. <laughs> I mean, that is how the Undertaker, I think he does his, his teleportation gimmick. He runs he a, all the way around. <laughs> a brisk jog. They ain't telling you what's in those knee injections, man. He's fucking souped <laughs> up, is what I'm telling you, right? Over here on the Twitter, Jimmy Glenn with the deep cut take. I dug that hole so deep, 
He's probably in duck gum space right now. Or on the tortoise's shell. Lord knows what lies beneath this disc world of ours. <laughs> Lord knows. <laughs> I'd never made the connection of flat earth and disc world being one and the same. <laughs> yeah, and the closest that AJ Styles and disc world comes together is, uh, you know, man, you see my long play on disc world on PC? <laughs> you know, man, Eric Idle, I think, is one of the greatest voice actors of his generation. I'm glad they only did one line when he c couldn't pick up an object. Wrestling referees are wizards here saying, Oh, please, spirit of wrestling future, I'm not the man I was. Why would you show me this if I was past all hope? A life can be made right. I will honor wrestling's past, present, and future. I'll cancel my Twitch stream. I'll bring a gun to every show. <laughs> Beautiful. You there, boy, what day is it? The day? Well, the day is the Mixer's subscription renewal day. Looks <laughs> <laughs> Side note, just while we're on the subject, this never comes up. People always quote that bit. What day is today? What day is this? Etc. Etc. Yeah, yeah. It's not that. The fucking original quote is so stupid. He just opens his window and he goes, You there, what's today? <laughs> what's today? What's today? That's pretty much what I say every morning I wake up and I look at the calendar. What's today? <laughs> One here from Andrew Armstrong. AJ, I used to be with it. Then they changed what it was. Now what I'm with isn't it, and what's it seems weird and scary to me. It'll happen to you. <laughs> Matt Butler here. Galileo, 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 <laughs> Galileo. Nathan Rothwell. You either die of phenom or live long enough to see yourself looking an awful lot like Terry Funk. Oh, wow. I mean, you know, I mean, Mark, you do need a new knee uh, <laughs> and another new knee. And, you know, pro probably a couple of other bits and bobs as well if we're going to hit those Saudi dates in 2023. Guy Incognito here. And with a grateful shudder, AJ Styles swore he'd never return to Nightmare Inn. <laughs> All right, fuck the Boneyard match. I want a Nightmare in match. Yes, baby. Dash. Brian Bradshaw. It was at this moment that AJ realized he'd done it now. <laughs> he'd gone and made a big mistake. David here at Shore Gap. He's behind me and becoming a parody of himself, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Landon Wayne. I heard y'all talking about how the world ain't round. Now I'm cool with that. What you gotta realize is that sphere, cube, pyramid, this planet is still my yard. <laughs> I kind of feel like with, with American badass promos, instead of the uh, the lightning, it should be a revving, a gentle revving of the motorcycle. Yeah. There is a lot of variations on this one here. I'm just gonna pick one of them from Rob Manifield here. Alan. I hear that you believe the earth is flat, and because of your lack of education on this topic, you're gonna go school. <laughs> oh no, a globe! <laughs> Alright, uh, stick with me folks, this is a deep dive oh, here boy. from Eddie O'Keefe, and it's absolutely beautiful. I got my snake skin boots and my hair's jet black. I can't carry Goldberg to a single star match. I'm the Undertake Man. He's the Undertake Man. Yes, I'm the Undertake Man. He's the Undertake Man. I answer to a higher power. I'm acting heinous. If you try me, boy, I'm going to make you famous. I'm the Undertake Man. He's the Undertake Man. Yes, I'm the Undertake Man. He's the Undertake Man. They call me Booger Red, although my thin line's blue. UFO enthusiast, a mouthful of chew. I'm 
the Undertake Man. Is the Undertake Man? He's I'm the Undertake Man. I'm the Undertake Man. I'm the Undertake Man. I'm blue. I'm I'm blue. Thank you. Phenomenal. Wow. <laughs> Mike F here. AJ Styles. Do not take me for some conjurer of cheap tricks. <laughs> I am not trying to job you. <laughs> and he's there like holding out a piece of chew. It's okay, it's quite cool if you choose. <laughs> James Miller. When the kid in front of you in Toys R Us refuses to get off the PS2 demo stand. <laughs> That's and, so uh, legit. There was one or two as well where someone had just photoshopped the PSVR helmet on AJ Styles. <laughs> This is brilliant. That's so good. One here from Dave Scott. Now, I know you can read my thoughts, Kevin. Just as a reminder, if I find out you gave the Boneyard match a bad review, your ass is mine. That's right, you heard me. I think words I would never say. AJ Styles. I know you can read my thoughts too, Kevin. Meow, 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 meow. Dave Green. The Mark Holloway community. Danny at proper DM here. Now look, stop calling me and start enjoying your boneyard match. Remember, I want to see lots of pictures when you get back. Actually, Mr. Burns, picture taking's not allowed at this particular yard. Oh, I gotta go now. There's a nine line forming behind me. <laughs> Adam Carter, AJ is the AE podcast fans just hoping to listen to a nice show where the hosts will leave the bloody politics out of it. <laughs> and the Undertaker is me. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Bowling, which has AJ Styles as a caption contest and The Undertaker as Simpsons references. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful and accurate. Love the meta commentary. Oh, brilliant. George Miles here, keeping it very simple but beautiful. The Grave Community. <laughs> Stuart Lawson. I am The Undertaker and I'm coming to bury you in the dirt. I mean, that there, is there a catchphrase, isn't that it? That is like? an accurate catchphrase right there. <laughs> I just thought at the start it was going to be, you know, from Photo Slam. I am The Undertaker. <laughs> but then that second part there, he modified it a little bit there, you know? <laughs> One here from For Kit's Sake. Kevin about to drop another disturbing knee drill impression on the unsuspecting listener. Oh, come on now. What's disturbing about it? It's absolutely... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's gone right through. <laughs> You didn't tell me this knee was hollow, Mark. It's like a fucking Easter egg. Oh, I got the big drill for nothing. Oh, Jesus Christ almighty. <laughs> Philip Glover. This Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. See the Undertaker digging holes, holes, holes. Digging souls, souls, souls. <laughs> Do you think that's too many holes and souls? I mean, seems like we're forcing them. They've probably already bought the pay-per-view with the network. Oh, wait, wait, what are you doing? Where are you throwing me? <laughs> Sean Moore here. See, you bunch of chickens. I said mean Mark three times into this mirror and nothing happened. <laughs> I think specifically if you say mean Mark three times, like early oh, yeah, Mark Calloway yeah. shows up, you know, managed by Paul Lee dangerously. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Hayden with a delightful tale. You believe a lot of nonsense, don't you, boy? You probably think the sun shines out your backside too. Well, as a matter of fact, behold! Boy, that ain't no celestial object in your rear end. You done sat on a flashlight. <laughs> For <sake. Ow! laughs> 
got a good one here to end us off from Andrew Rich. Tired. Taking a muscle-bound man and putting his head in the sand. Wired. Burying a video game loving squirt six feet in the dirt. <laughs> and on a positive note, Liam Rowbottom, even The Undertaker took time to appreciate AJ's wonderful hair and oh. the lovely hedge of hair he has as well. Very shiny and nice and glossy. He's been eating his eggs. Well then, that's going to do it for this caption contest. If you want to sponsor an upcoming caption contest, you can. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash AEPodcast for any and all details. And if you would like to get further details, hit us up at a chair podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget, wherever you get in your podcast, check out NXT Back to the Future for some good old times from Full Sail. But hey, let's head back down to that farm that's quite near Full Sail. It's time to dust off all the bones and get ready for the Boneyard match. We open up on recurring character in the podcast. It's the head from Art Attack. He's, uh, <laughs> he's our first character to introduce you. I think that something gets smashed over Booger Red later. I think it's that. We don't see Is it really? I think it is. I remember night one of WrestleMania because all the way up until this, this is the main event. This is the very end of night one of WrestleMania last year. And all the way up to this point, no one, we had not an inkling of what the Boneyard match was. I thought it was going to be in the performance center. They were going to have like a little buried alive <laughs> section or something. Like a plan I, nine from outer space, like all the cardboard graves set up or whatever. <laughs> when it cuts to the fucking Twin Peaks woods with a hearse driving through it, I remember jumping out of my seat because it was like immediately off the bat, okay, this is different. This is something we've not seen them do in this fashion before. Like It always irritates me that WWE has all these incredibly talented crew, these camera mm. people, directors, you know, other than Kevin Dunn, they have lots of other people who can do these things. And it very feels very rare they get a chance to actually flex those muscles. Because I think, yeah. you know, Vince McMahon says it and beyond the mat, like, oh, we make movies here. I was like, well, you've got all the fucking kit. You might as well. Yeah. You know, you can. Do it then. Do it more often, for fuck's sake. You know, it, 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 the most wrestling thing in the world is, I remember when I went to see Ring of Honor live, and it was just when they had gotten their deal with HD Nesh, so they're on television. And I right. came to the live performance, and they had this big crane. I'm like, yeah. oh my god, look at this fucking thing. It's amazing. Big, And every time an entrance happened, a big sweep would come around, and I'd be like, way! Mm -hmm. And I was so excited to watch the show later on and you know a couple of months later my friend found the show like hey let's watch it in a three and a half hour show there was one crane shot why why you know like when you're watching the royal rumble this year they had that crazy yes. new camera and we got to see yep. it for like victoria's entrance and like one other thing and it's like why do you have all these toys honestly and you actually use, use them. them yeah please that's the biggest thing about the pandemic era for me is that like, okay, it sucks. It's a bit strange. But when they announced the Thunderdome, they were like, this is going to be a new thing. It's going to be an entertainment spectacular. And I thought, right, let's make the most of these limitations. We've not got a crowd. Yeah, it's shit. But we can actually up the production and do something really new and really different. And it's like every fucking 90 minutes, you'll see one drone shot. And that's about fucking it. Yeah, once they realize the drone's noise gets picked up on the cameras, <laughs> they didn't do the drone shots so much. I love AJ Styles, the cocky heel, his entrance here, because it's it's funny for literally one second, and then you're like, wait, did he, like, tell me? Like, yeah, man, put me in a coffin, man. Yeah, now load the... 
knock knock load the coffin in a hearse man yeah 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 <laughs> and then they drive assumedly from Orlando for 40 minutes the whole oh. way <laughs> oh out man <laughs> <laughs> and then they finally open it <laughs> this ain't scary at all man <coughs> I'm thirsty, man. What's going on? <laughs> I also love as well that we're getting like really scary Undertaker music when the hearse is being brought around and the second the coffin opens, oh, they don't want no, no, they don't want no. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, Undertaker comes out and yeah, we got some licensed music. Um, I wasn't a fan of this, Adam, to be honest. I thought it was uh, a missed opportunity, you know? Why? What, you're on a, a bit of Metallica where his Undertaker comes out on his motorbike and he gets a special The Undertaker graphic. It's so fucking cinematic. Yeah, come on, man. Give me some real Metallica. Give me some Lulu. Give me some, you know, Death Magnetic. Give me some Saint <laughs> Anger. Then we'll fucking... Death Magnetic. Then we'll, then we'll start talking, yeah? <laughs> give, me, give me some... Look, you just come back to me when you've got some real fucking music, yeah? All right? Give me... Let's get the Unforgiven 3 over the top of this, can we, baby? <laughs> <laughs> I want to see what Lars and Lou Reed are going to cook up for us tonight. <laughs> right, seriously now. I went into this <laughs> dreading... I... I... <laughs> I went into this dreading, oh, I've got really fond memories of this match, and I'm worried that watching it again a year later, after all the mystique has worn off and we've talked at length about how much we don't like Undertaker's later years, I was terrified that the magic was going to be lost on this. As soon as we get that shot going from Undertaker's foot, kicking the kickstand on his motorbike, panning up to him and he's there with his bandana on, Kevin, the magic was still there for me. I couldn't help it, baby. I got so into this match again. I was of the minority of people who much rathered the Firefly Funhouse match because... Oh, well, l let me just say, that is a way better cinematic experience. Yeah. For sure, for sure. That is... The, the Firefly Funhouse match will go down as historic because it is something so unique and so special and different and weird. But this is just a straight up like, what if we film a fight and make yeah. it into a cinematic thing? And as far as those go, this is still the best one, I think. I think so. And I think like... I definitely got caught up in the, well, people are saying it's one or the other. And I kind of, yeah. I felt that the Firefly Funhouse wasn't getting the love that it deserved yeah. compared to the Boneyard match, which while I like the Boneyard match and definitely have more of an appreciation of it now than then, like when I watch this now, I can't help but see how far we've come, or at least other companies have come, because the one thing about this that they do is there's just too many of them Kevin Dunn cuts. If they yes. manage just to... A couple less on the punches particularly... Yep. Tone it down. That took me out of it still. Mm. Just a little bit. But I think I definitely could appreciate it a lot more for what it is now than I could perhaps after having seen both nights of WrestleMania for sure. Yeah. And I like any match where you get to see more of the wrestlers doing a bit of walk and talk... And Undertaker here is full of fucking sass. Come on, boy. Get up, boy. You want to fight me, boy? Hey, Alan. Come on, Alan. You're not so tough now, boy. Oh, boy. I tell you, they get some pretty nasty grazes and cuts on themselves. <laughs> With this Undertaker, right before he smashes the hearse and cuts his arm up, he picks up like a little... Like a poo or something? What? It's like a little brown cylinder. And he's like, I'll show you, boy. I think according, according to Joe from How To, that is a pipe bomb, what he picked up there, I believe. <laughs> it's a little pipe bomb he left in the ring there. So what it is, is I think that is legitimately what they gave Goldberg to smash open the window as he went to, oh, to Goldberg the hearse. And he's like... Tsh. And then like the image of Goldberg... I wanted the image of Goldberg to appear... 
on the moon and be like, ha 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 ha, dead man. <laughs> Remember Jeddah? Ha 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 ha. Fucking hell. And I love that the Ev Undertaker smashed this thing open, which at the night I was like, all right, he clearly did that for real by mistake, but we're just going to keep going anyway. And we yeah. have, a, you know, the cut that him's like, oh, boy, son of a bitch. <laughs> Bobby, why'd you cut? <laughs> <laughs> AJ is very, very, very prepared for this because he has prepared a hole for Undertaker's soul. One hole, one soul. That's why this match is here. And, yep. you know, we get to hear Undertaker mouth an awful lot. But we also get a lot of boop, 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 boop. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of boop. There's a lot of scats here. This was, you know, in tribute to Scatman John the whole match, I believe. Yes, absolutely. Again, one of the big reasons why I was so into this, Kevin, is you can hear the grunts crystal clear. There's no crowd to get in the way or anything. You're just there with a microphone pointed right at his face. You hear everything. Yeah, including the fucking diddly-doo cowboy music for Gallows and Anderson. Yes! Yes! Hey, dead man, you ain't going nowhere. Spoken like a man with one foot out the door. <laughs> Honestly, like, right, okay, we got a flight to catch after this match. Like, Spoken like a man here. who the allure of a third run with the Raw Tight Team titles just isn't enough to keep him there. <laughs> just won't do it for these boys. Fucking hell. Hear me out. I hate the robed guys showing up mm. so fucking much i hate it i hate it i hate it these guys come out all dressed up in their black robes what the fuck is this you need to explain this does a like if you had aj with the urn and pointing at his head and then this happened it's that's enough something. of an explanation i'm not yeah. asking for much no something sum up I'm, I'm totally with you i feel like it is it's just laziness and wwe's part like it's just purely like they want to have more bodies there and there's no explanation for it. It's stupid. It makes no sense. But I will say, I my, my love for this match, don't get me wrong, I adore this match still. Even after having watched it now, I absolutely adore this. But it's in the same way that I adore the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy, where it's like... Warts and all. That's it. It's a bit <laughs> shit. It's a bit camp and it's a bit corny. But come on, it's so much fun. And the whole point, I'll tell you why these men were here, Kevin. It's just so they can surround The Undertaker so we can get one badass shot of him going... Or let's do this. <laughs> That's literally it. The camera's spinning around. And he's like, I know. Are y'all Antifa? What are y'all doing in here? <laughs> <laughs> I, what's I, even right. worse is that like he punches them all once, and then that's it. They are gone. They turn to dust. I thought man. they'd be like demons. You punch them once, like in you know that SmackDown game that you and Billy played. You know you have to fight the demons. <laughs> I would have settled for them if they got punched, turning into a gas as an explanation, like the demons yes. from his past. Totally. Or outsider perspective, perhaps if all of the robed individuals did the two sweet sign at the end. So yeah, he beats them all up, but uh, then he gets smashed in the head, assumedly with the head. Mm. <laughs> My favorite moment in this whole damn thing, where Undertaker gets pushed through the corrugated iron. <laughs> And AJ Styles stand up going, you're old, Mark Calloway. And he's like, oh. ooh, ooh, ooh. 
Kevin, this this still this still works on me. This worked on me last year and it works on me now as well. The story they're telling, I love this. It starts off that he's this phenomenal badass old man, but then he gets outnumbered and now he's on the floor making and that come on, you can't tell me these noises aren't a shoot. This is genuine bugger red like these are real wheezes here. It makes me feel really bad for him. These are legit shoot noises that you get when AJ Styles calls you, and I quote, an old bitch. Oh, you didn't need that. Like, what, what are you talking about? It's a wrestling angle in 2020. Everyone has to say bitch Ugh. over and over, and especially the men, but especially the women, <laughs> but especially the men and the women. Me in 2020, I like when they say bury in wrestling. Me in 2021, I realize now they said it 29 times in this match. Yeah, he's going to fucking bury him. Do you get it, boys and girls at home, like winking at the camera? I'm going to bury The Undertaker. But uh, honestly, Undertaker wheezing on the floor. These are the same noises he was making in a match with Goldberg. Like, these are the real noises you get from Mark Calloway when he's hurting. And you've got AJ just, like, fucking kicking him, saying that he was a shell of what he used to be. You're an old man who doesn't have it anymore. I think it's solely because it's The Undertaker and this is a line that they don't normally cross. That's purely why this works to me is because it's a new thing. You're not meant to do this to The Undertaker. It's kind of an unwritten rule that you don't go that far. And so it still kind of works for me emotionally. Yeah, no, de definitely. I, <laughs> I like when AJ Styles, he's got him in the hole. He starts pouring the dirt on top of him and he's a bit out of breath at this point and he starts to go, Ashes to ashes, and I don't know why. I was convinced he was going to say hashtag boneyard. <laughs> and let me tell you, that little inky dinky digger is the cutest Aww. little thing in the world. It's a proper Bob the Builder little, come on, Scoop, let's bury the Undertaker. Yeah, Triple H was there with a crowbar getting the big eyes off, and it looks too cute. Yeah. <laughs> So he's in the little digger, he's about to bury the Undertaker, and here we go, another aspect of the uh, unholy trinity comes out. Yeah. That won't be the only time we're talking about a holy trinity in this episode, folks. Stay tuned. Oh, oh boy. And Undertaker, he breaks out, he breaks out some of that old magic and the big lies, the big flash. Fucking mm -hmm. much. that's so good. Dude. This is like, this moment here is like the most the Undertaker has felt like the phenom Undertaker in, I'd say, like, decades almost. It, it genuinely gave me goosebumps the first time I watched this match because it was like, that's just straight-up classic, like, magical dead man. Well, like, a lot of the great Undertaker appearing, disappearing gimmicks of the past relied on him having to get somewhere very, very quickly, very, very quietly, yes. unnoticed. And I think it's a miracle he was able to do it as often as he did and never get caught out on live TV. So, yeah, if you want a bit of that old Undertaker magic, you need to probably have it in a cinematic match. And you get to see that. You know, you get to see all these mm -hmm. things now towards the end that remind you of that part of the Undertaker's career. Like him making the fire appear when AJ tries to yep. escape. That's fucking classic mana from the dead man. Exactly. And little detail, like it's... It's not like he just appeared behind AJ. It's like all the dirt and all the cuts and the bruises, they're all gone. His hair is perfect again. Like, it's like, you know, those horrible boss battles where you think you've just beat them and it's like, woo, the health bar fills all the way back up. And he's <laughs> like, oh no, I'm, I'm back, baby. Like he is looking immaculate here and it makes it even scarier. So the bit where they're fighting up on the roof, this is when they started using sound effects for the punches, I think, which was an odd stylistic choice given that they were dancing around on corrugated iron it was making a lot of clatters but you're getting like 
Yeah. Like they're on Baywatch or something like that, trying to buy the beach. But This uh, is the bit of the match I would say. If there's any bit that could be trimmed down, it'd be this. This little brawl on the roof goes on for a bit too long. But we do still at least get Undertaker like big evil style following AJ. Because AJ's like proper freaked out like what the fuck just happened. And now you've got Undertaker being like, oh, you're sorry now, boy. Oh, okay. I'm going to show you some David Flair, boy. Like he's proper big evil 2003 Taker now. See, well, I would have had my Taker here. What I would have watched, I would have eyes back in the head like big tongue out like yeah literally you know yeah. fucking speaking in tongues drinking midian's <laughs> blood whatever it is <laughs> he chokes sam's aj styles off the roof of the barn in mm-hmm. a moment so spectacular it causes a robot to fart <laughs> the close-ups throughout the match are fucking awesome i love it it gives it that real like it makes undertaker seem like a big presence yeah. Zooming in on his feet though when he's walking and you can see the bow leggedness like that yeah. didn't probably have the badass effect that they thought it did, you know? <laughs> Undertaker literally says, Oh, I thought I was an old man, boy. Come on, this old man gonna kick your ass. I mean, you still are an old man, mate. There's there's no need to try and make believe now, Undertaker. Right, I was like, don't rub his face in, all right? You can be a gracious winner here now, Mark, all right? I, I genuinely love this, though. Like, AJ is completely fucking battered. He's terrified. He's like, he, he acknowledges now that the Undertaker is this demon. And you've got Takers being, like, just standing there like, what's my wife's name, boy? Hmm? What's my wife's name? Hmm? I, I thought I was an old man. You were, I'm not gonna bury you, boy. He's like hooking him and shit. Like you think I was gonna bury you? I'm not gonna. Bury I love you. that bit. That's that's the bit of personality that I wish I saw more of from the Undertaker. You know? That yeah, that's when you were saying earlier about how like Undertaker actually has got a cool voice. I was literally thinking of this moment here. Him mouthing off here. He sounds so fucking badass and awesome. Like there's those moments where it's like he seems effortless like that, and there's other moments yeah. where it's like you, right, you're just doing your fucking Toby Keith lyrics or something from a movie and you're trying to relay and make it this sounded so much na- more natural and that's cool. it he's at ease this isn't like on smackdown crawl where we're seeing undertaker being like let me tell you something kevin kelly and he's trying really hard to be cool this is effortless here he's just being himself and it's paying off dividends i like what he's like you know you gave me a hell of a fight no one's given me a fight like that in so yeah. long man he's like he's with me you're not gonna bury me like no nah, <laughs> I'm, def- I'm definitely gonna bury you and not only am i gonna bury you i'm gonna bury you and then we're never gonna make reference to this ever again that was my big takeaway actually from from that part was the burial of aj styles here was such a powerful moment and it Mm. could have been a big beat for his character of he's a guy who flew a little too close to the sun and as talented as he is he's probably the best wrestler in the world of his generation as well but you just don't do certain things in wrestling and you should have learned your lesson and he got humbled like he wasn't even shook by this he came back fucking laughing you know there was no reference to it well you know it'd be one thing if there was no reference to it but what's worse is that they half-assed it because at the money in the bank cinematic match there was a bit where aj got shoved into a room and there was like an undertaker poster and it was all mysterious lighting and he was like oh my god man and i was like okay so they're gonna carry on with this this is going somewhere absolutely nothing nothing at all such a waste all I can tell you is that AJ Styles was pissed that they didn't do anything with it because oh, yeah? I, I used to be a, an avid watcher of his mixer stream where he would just fucking mixer. bury, he would bury the world, but brackets Paul Heyman <laughs> and talk all sorts of mess. But uh, we put an end to that. Thankfully, WWE got an end to that wanton uh, third partiness where people were, you know, heaven forbid, making a living off their talent. Who'd have thought? Disgusting. We have. A bit of downtime, we get the burial, 
when he reveals the grave and you play that old fucking Undertaker mm. thing, all goosebumps, Honestly. riding off the big fucking symbol appearing, literally off into, not the sunset, off into the fucking night because he's the Undertaker. Yes. Perfect end of a career, if he so chooses it to be. That's it. I remember at the time thinking like, oh, that, that was nice, but surely he's going to have another match in, the, in front of the crowd and everything. And the more time has gone on since then, the more I think like, actually... That is such a pitch-perfect ending for this character and this career. To do anything more than that would just sully this wonderful end. Because him riding off into the night on his motorbike with Metallica playing, he had his fucking symbol etched out with a giant purple laser. Like, yeah, it's still kind of corny, it's still a bit cheesy, but man alive, it's so wrestling and it's so perfect for him and who his character is. That should have been... I wouldn't have even had him come back and say, I'm retiring. I would have had that image of him yeah. riding away be literally the last time you see him on TV. Well, we got to book Savio Vega and sell Survivor Series 2020 <laughs> some way. So, oh you know, fucking hell. We cut to the recap of this. And, you know, there wasn't much in the way of, of extra details here other than The Undertaker liked the motorcycle stuff a lot. He did. He did. <laughs> there was a difficulty in, re- in shooting it because of the stop and the start. He said he was a lot more aware because of the lack of a crowd. And, the you mm. know, the downtime meant that the adrenaline sapped and yeah. it, he was feeling it a lot more than he normally would have which i kind of was in two minds about i was like oh that's gotta suck but also that's probably got into perspective for him like just what his limitations are now that yep. it's it's you know this was wrapped in a 5 a.m in the morning as well yeah that was fucking harsh that was something that never occurred to me watching the match when it first aired because i remember seeing the boneyard match and being like that's it Every year from now on, WrestleMania, give Undertaker a cinematic match. Because it, it just made sense to me. It's like, he can't wrestle anymore. He can't go for that long. So do this. It's way better for him physically. I had not considered the fact that it's like, yeah, this probably took like four or five hours to film or whatever. And there's like, every time the adrenaline starts building up, right, cut. And now you've got to stand yeah. there on your old knees for ages. Like, this must have been torture. And I'm sure he wouldn't want to do it again readily. I think it makes you realize, you know, when AEW put Sting in that, tag cinematic match having the extra mm. pair of people in there probably helped yeah, a lot so there was downtime for, for for the person who this was being filmed around my only other takeaway from the recap of it was that undertaker to me didn't seem blown away by the match enough to make me think that he's happy with that being his last match because he was like talking as if while well, everyone was saying it was great man he did like it but he didn't seem like all right that's it career over perfect that you know, he- really, really shocks me because between mm. like the motorbike, the graveyard, Metallica, what more like could you want that's it. The bit where he's surrounded by men, and he's like, "All right, let's do this." I thought that's just there because that's for the Undertaker. That's like a nice little treat for him to feel good about himself. The whole match felt to me like this is his wish list of how I want my character to be remembered. And yeah, he didn't seem as thrilled with it as I thought he would be, to be honest. And aren't you saying a wish list for him? It's a wish list for Undertaker fans. Because like, yeah, I, for me as an Undertaker fan, anything I'd want from a last match from Undertaker, I got in that match. Yes. You know, even if there are parts which I didn't necessarily agree with. Mm-hmm. But to think as well, and it has to be repeated, when you're comparing this to all the other cinematic matches, this one was done with so much working against it. They were, yeah. Can you imagine them chasing against the sunlight if they're wrapping at 5am in florida in fucking march or april mm-hmm. 
you know the sun's going to be rising they had to wait for it to set they had so many things working against them there this was done under pressure and under duress yep. and it could have been a shit show and it absolutely wasn't you know what was there were matches which seemed like a shoe in to be great like edge and randy orton there were much bigger shit shows because of the situation the circumstances that's my biggest biggest gripe with this is that this was such an amazing start for like the pandemic era of cinematic matches that i was like holy shit this is this is great what a blessing in disguise this is because it's going to make wwe try this whole new avenue of incredibly creative inventive stuff and they completely fucking blew it they ran out of steam so goddamn quickly money in the bank was a bit of fun it was it was unique and different but man everything else they tried to do cinematic wise was such a fucking stinker at the end of this i thought that he seemed you know we cut to him fishing Mm. my main kind of thought point of this was like it's very easy to seem retired when there's a covid era you Mm. know because it's not as if there is this regular you know booking of wrestling that's happening where undertaker's name would come up as it typically would michelle 100% 100% convinced this is it. He is yes. done. She says Undertaker is now transitioned to his life as Mark Calloway, and I'm all the happier for it. I want to believe her because I feel like she obviously would know the man a million times better than we do. I really hope that she's right. But I know what you mean because right now it's still pandemic era, it's still empty arenas. He talks in the documentary about how at the WrestleMania before Boneyard match, was his first WrestleMania just sitting it out and he thought he was cool with it. He thought he was retired. And then watching WrestleMania backstage and seeing everyone else out there was killing him because he couldn't wait to do it himself. We're recording this before WrestleMania 2021 and I can't help but think Undertaker seeing the wrestling going back on with crowds is going to make him maybe consider coming back again. What, not this WrestleMania, but the one after, you maybe. know, I don't know. It's, mm. it's really hard to say. But look, you know, we reached a point here where we're getting a couple of talking heads of The Undertaker. You know, we're, we're getting a couple of clips of him. And uh, I didn't think we'd get it towards the end of this episode. But we did have Undertaker wearing another t-shirt that was a little bit concerning the name on it. I thought, ooh. I mean, just look, I'm just going to say it right now. Disciples of Iron sounds a little bit scary, right? <sighs> disciple i thought you were going to say the rocky marciano jumper he's got on so i was like wait he was a boxer what what else did he do (laughs) oh yeah don't worry by the way as well when 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 we reached the point where they started playing the song at the end Mm. and they're like hitting a little george Strait here take that tony khan we can license music as well i did look up george Strait controversy and found out he stands out by his lack of controversy in the country music genre hey i thought we're light on controversy this episode but (laughs) Disciples we, we don't want to of, let down the fans in the SoundCloud comments. You know, that's what they come here for. But Disciples of Iron. Like, that just sounds mm. like... I just thought DOA straight away. And I got a little yeah. bit worried. So okay. I, did a, I did a bit of a Google. I found out that Disciples of Iron was a clothing brand and a lifestyle brand that was a subsidiary of the much bigger brand of Rogue American. And yes, the Owen Rogue is a giant bullseye sights on a gun there. But uh, Disciples of Iron, it's interesting that Taker was wearing a t-shirt because they've not been active since 2015. It was meant to be an offshoot and a project for the owner of Disciples of Iron, Maureen Kettner, to get involved with. Now, you may know Maureen from her series of articles online about how to be prepared and knowing when to use your gun if there's a situation that goes awry. Or you may recognize Maureen from her series of reviews about tactical body armor style baby bags that you can get so if you want to have oh like a bulletproof kevlar bag to put your nappies and stuff in there yeah it's it's, it's interesting that 
But look, the reality of it is, is this, is that, you know, I, I checked out the socials for, for Disciples of the Iron. There doesn't seem to be anything much there. You know, they're, mm. they, they love their guns. They love their Second Amendment rights. There wasn't much there. So I decided to head over to the uh, Rogue American Apparel website. And very interesting about the Rogue American Apparel website, Adam, is that in spite of the fact that it's Rogue American Apparel, they've not got any clothes on there anymore. It's just a couple of random little bits and bobs. And I thought you might be interested in this because they actually have some of their own brand of coffee. Invader oh, brand oh, coffee. Okay. Invader, you say? I like Invader brand coffee, uh, and particularly the FSU blend. The FSU blend is certain to kickstart your day, Adam. This bold, dark roast is a French roast with a mix of Central, South American, Ethiopian beans. Packs a smooth but punchy flavor with Mm. whiny notes. It does not disappoint, and it's air-roasted right here in Austin, Texas. And I love the cover of it as well, because on the cover, we've got a quote here which says, Be polite. Be professional, hmm. but have a plan to kill everyone you meet. This is the <gasps> fuck shit up blend. The FSU blend is the fuck shit up blend from uh, our guys here at Invader Coffee. So, um, <laughs> just, um, that... in case you have that. Oh, you know? Jesus, I got whiplash from that, Kevin. What a fucking sudden turn. Just, you know, have you a plan? <laughs> What the the fuck shit up blend? Have a plan to kill everyone you meet. Everyone you meet. Everyone you meet. What if I meet a sales rep from Rogue American Apparel? Do I have to have a plan to kill them as well? If your friend is just a pile of goo, where your friend just was. (laughs) Wait, is that Rambo? (laughs) No, that's Patton, which I believe the other one may. I mean, there is a picture of Patton on the bag, so I thought. For fuck's sake. Or is it Mad Dog Madison? I'm not sure. It it, it just look. That's all it is. But like, you know, Jesus. I didn't want people to think that you know we didn't have anything to to talk about here as we're we're getting into our outros. And it's a little bit like Return of the King here, where we're getting like an ending, endings, and then another ending, and then another ending, and the the last ending here, just like a whoa, whoa, and we get to see you know Undertaker in various guises throughout his career. You know, people tell him that he's proud. Shane McMahon looks in the camera and he's like, Mark, I want you to know that I'm proud of you, man. And he's he's fucking, he's really like, he really yeah. means it. It's odd that Vince, he's just like, well, you know, what else can you say? You know, he's a hell of a performer. He was very quiet in this episode, Vince. Vince was very quiet throughout the whole series. I mean, I, I, we must have mentioned it, but there was a point a few episodes back where they're talking about his relationship with Mark and it cuts to Vince McMahon with like the tears in his eyes. And I know he's like, Old Vince always has tears in his eyes, but this time it was a lot, and he was doing the whole, I can't, I can't do that. And he literally could not and did not, and that no. was the only footage that they had. That's it. Uh, it was it was interesting, yeah. But very interesting then when it's Undertaker wearing a t-shirt that said, Born Squared. I was like, Born Squared? Born Squared? Yeah, it was like, Born in brackets, but then a squared, like, to the power of two, like, that they were okay. going to, uh, to oh. multiply it. So I thought born, that was born. very... Very born squared. I'm like, Here look, we go. Here we I, I already had a million tabs open up, and I was already, I was already checking out Maureen Kettner's, you know, uh, uh, you know, her her articles that she had written and all that, learning how to be prepared in the modern Jeez. era and stuff like and that. C- can we just say for the listeners as well to please, please give some respect and some credit where it's due. Kevin Mann here doing this, doing all the hard work, getting the research. 
His targeted ads are going to be a mess for the next six months. He's going to get nothing but adverts for t-shirts with guns on them and dodgy coffee. And I think we need to owe him a little bit of gratitude for doing this to his own cookies for our benefit. Thank you. I appreciate that because, like, you know, you might think that the nice comments that I'll get having done this are worth it in its own right. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's the real praise. That's all we need, baby. <laughs> Sometimes you need a little bit more than the praise that will come with, with doing this. <laughs> Look, I, I thought I'd check it out. It's clean clothing, right? Clean is a clothing brand that is to do with the, the Lord above. Look, it's the least sassy of all of the things that we've done, but I just thought mm. I'd read out some of these t-shirts. Some of them are nice. Okay, some, okay, some nice. okay. This is a nice antithesis to the nine-line chat we had a few apps back. Okay, let's hear it. If being a Christian is boring, then you're doing it wrong. Boom. Okay, I think that's, that's, that's good. That's a good one. You know, as, as, a, as, a, as a Catholic boy went to Catholic boarding school, let me tell you, there's some interesting shit that happens in that old Christianity. Transubstantiation doesn't happen overnight, mean gene. Jesus took naps. Be like Jesus. That's pretty good. All right. One, All right. These are positive. These are good. Blessed beyond measure. Okay. Work for God. The retirement benefits are great. Now, uh-oh, you might think that's good. Little bit of a red flag there. I don't know if you've come from the Catholic school of guilting everyone, mm. but if you're working specifically with an eye to getting into heaven... Just to get in. Yeah, that ain't right. Your heart's not in the right place, mate. Just so you know as well, there are ladies' tees and men's tees, and they're very uh -huh. separate, so there's different ones here. And some oh. of the ladies' tees I really like, like, I run on coffee and grace. Okay, that's, yeah, me too, me too, sister. And we have uh, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. Fearfully. Fear is a liar, running on faith. As for me and my house, we serve the Lord. Never underestimate a mom fueled by God and prayer. Little aggressive. Raising my tribe on Jesus vibes. Okay. <laughs> oh, look, all right, look. We'll leave on, leave on, leave on, on the last one here, look. Just, just one last one. My daughter is allowed three male friends. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So there's okay. lots of cool mm. cool ones here so you know it's nice that the undertaker has got a broad variety of tastes him and michelle you yep. know it, it ain't just guns no it's it's a variety pack it's the three g's guns god and goo because you'd spit out tobacco <laughs> we end on the undertaker in his minecraft survival home wishing oh. for a, a better future <laughs> You say Minecraft survival home. I totally got, you know, the image of Thanos sat on his farm at the end. Like, well, I've done everything there is to do now. <laughs> oh, that was a genuinely a sweet ending. I will say that last little five minutes of everyone just saying nice things about Mark was a bit emotional and nice. He is beloved and he has not been able to have the standard relationship with the audience and the audience to see what he means to his peers a lot of yes. it has been assumed and a lot of what you see in this documentary is like oh i assumed it would be like this mm -hmm. he would be held in this regard by his peers i think we do also see in this documentary though the downside of that secrecy and the stuff that maybe even in a world where there is no really kayfabe anymore the strict adherence to a character what that can kind of do because mm -hmm. mark calloway Far from being the rootin' tootin' bust-ass badass, he's a complicated individual who is affected by all of the things that you would not necessarily assume The Undertaker the character is. He's a man who gets nervous. He's crippled yep. with self-doubt. He goes back and forth over and over and over about what his what he is to himself. And mm -hmm. when you have a legacy as complicated as he does, and a legacy that is so revered... Like, it just shows you that in wrestling, 
just being beloved by everyone often isn't enough. You think, oh, if no. everyone loves you and everyone respects you, that means then that you're not going to have any anxiety or any self-doubt. I think it actually works to make you more full of self-doubt, you know, because there's, yes. there's a lot of wrestlers who've had hard times or, have, you know, fallen out of grace of public opinion and come back who I feel like are, like, I feel Bret Hart is a lot more a piece than The Undertaker. And I oh, can't yeah. believe I'm saying that about Bret Hart and The Undertaker. But he's had longer, I guess, to come to those, to come That's to that true. place of peace. And my, my ultimate example, I think, of someone where it's like, good for him. You know, he's in a better place now. He's stone cold. Like, yeah, he, he, yeah, yeah. he accepts that those days are behind him and he loves talking about them and he loves reliving the memories. But he's got other things now and he's very well aware of where he's at and what he wants to do with the rest of his life. Taker clearly still hasn't figured that out. And Austin no. went away and took some time to figure that out. Undertaker, as we'll get into next time, seems to have gone straight from, I'm not wrestling anymore, let's dive into all this other scary shit. Jesus Christ, I want to try all of it at once. It'll be very interesting to see, even between now and when we do this next episode, how the story will change. Because yeah. you know, by the time the next episode is out, we'll probably have had WrestleMania 37 of where yes. we are. So that might give you an indication of where The Undertaker is. I will tell you right now where I'm at, having done all this watching of The Undertaker and thinking about the man a lot more than I ever thought I would in 2020 mm -hmm. and 2021, I 100% am convinced he will return to wrestling. He will have a match. He will have one more match. There is no way in hell anything that you've been told while there's not an audience is the first or the last or whatever yeah. it is. You're going to get it all again when there's an audience. I am convinced. You, you alluded to it earlier. The allure of the crowd once more in front of the fans. That's Come it. On, once it's going to happen for sure. I'm with you. De definitely, no. definitely, definitely. We're going to get that at some point. And what it is, I'm not going to call any judgments before we see what happens, but it's going to be really really fucking hard to come close to the boneyard match in terms of a send-off for him. So we'll see. Here's the question then. How do you go back with The Undertaker if the allure is in front of the fans? But the only obvious way now to do a match with The Undertaker or Sting or any legend really for that matter is to do it as a cinematic match. Is there a way to blend those two elements together? Like the Hollywood backlot brawl back in the day where we had pre-taped cinematic bit and then a bit in the ring? Or, or what do you mm. think? I don't know. I don't even know what opponents are left for him. I don't know who they could put him with to actually have something that would be special and new and different unless they just decide, let's do the match with AJ that we were going to do in front of a crowd. Because like we kind of mentioned earlier, they left the AJ story kind yeah. of at a loose end. They didn't really wrap up what happened between Undertaker and him. So that's one option. And AJ has been openly campaigning for another match with The Undertaker. Oh, has he really? He has. He said he wants okay. another one. He wants another Boneyard match as well, specifically, he said. So. Oh, oh, I don't know. Maybe that then. I feel like if the match itself and what capacity, what it'll look like, who it'll be with, that's very unclear to me. Mm. But I know for a fact we're going to get one, at least one depressing promo where it's he comes out and he does the whole fucking rest in peace my yard the usual naff promo to say goodbye like it is it is interesting because i think on the out here podcast we've never covered something that is this kind of like modern and of the time and if you're listening yeah. to this in the future with the benefit of what happens in the future i'm sure you'll be full of all sorts of interesting information as to what has actually happened since then but i just can't help but think like in you know we have this thing the boneyard match which fans love and it's a very special thing it's one of the few things you can look back on the era of pandemic wrestling go that was a special moment. Mm -hmm. And I just don't have faith in wrestling as a whole to leave that untouched. Yeah, same.
You know, it just does. It just doesn't happen. Like you know, little did we know they wouldn't have left Jeff Jarrett untouched. They would have brought him back in for that legendary moment in the Royal. Genuinely though, that's what they do. That yeah. is what they do. Any time there's a moment where it's like that was so magical. Shawn Michaels retiring, so magical. And yes, it took like it took over a decade to get there, but they finally found a way to ruin that moment by having him come back to Saudi. They will find a way to ruin the sanctity of the bone shot. <laughs> The sanctity of the boneyard. Oh, well, there's no way we're ending on a better note than the sanctity of the boneyard match. What did you think of the sanctity of this episode? Let us know in the comments below. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, make sure you leave an old rating or review. And the best thing you can always do to help out the Attitude Era podcast, if you know someone who's after a podcast, send them a recommendation from the AE Boys. Why not check us out on social media? You can find all sorts of bits of commentary, goofs and memes on at AE Podcast on Twitter. Or if you go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era Podcast, you will find a whole library of clips. Video clips from old episodes, video clips from new episodes, and lots and lots of previews from our Patreon content so you can get a little taste of Smackdown Crawl, Bibliotech, or some of our video episodes. All of that, of course, is available at patreon.com forward slash AE Podcast. Become a $5 backer to get access to a whole shed load of content, all of which there are examples on this very timeline, as Adam has just mentioned there. You can have a look and see the likes of the Bibliotech, where we look at books, Smackdown Crawl, we're reviewing all of Smackdown, currently up to January 2000. 2001, as well as side ventures and series like the, the Big Show Show Show, a series of comic reviews of Mr. Billy Keeble, and as well as that, we've just recently settled in and finished off Big Apple Takedown, a three-parter, oh. possibly the most fun we have ever had podcasting. You do not want to miss that out. And as well as that, you get things like video episodes from me yeah. and Adam, Adam and Billy as well. Become a $10 backer, get access to over 40 Q&A episodes from the three of us, and $20 backers get access to all of our commentary tracks. Over a dozen are available. Ruin your favorite movies with myself, Adam and Billy. And if you'd like to sponsor the caption contest and get your product, podcast, YouTube series, website, blog, whatever it is, in front of our tens of thousands of listeners, head us up at podcast at gmail.com. Subject, sponsorship. But until next time, when we're going to be wrapping up this last ride with some additionata it's a goodbye from me kevin and me adam and we'll catch you next time on the last ride on the anti-hero podcast <laughs>